Hello, this is Terry. And this is Coco. And this is Adventures in Organized Chaos. Where we talk about... Local politics. National politics. Some culture. Lots of culture. Some movies. Definitely some movies? Maybe some books. Mmm. We talk about organizing. Absolutely. Let's talk about that movement work. Let's get into it. All right. Hi, Coco. Hi, Terry. <laughs> what are How we talking doing? about? I'm good, girl. I'm good. You looking good. <laughs> My voice sounds like I'm good, but I'm lying. Oh, okay. Are you on the struggle bus today? I am on the struggle bus. Okay. okay. I'm trying to get. I'm trying to get off it though. Make sure I'm you working wa- on it. Yeah. Well, if you're gonna get off, get off. But make sure you wear your seatbelt because it can be a bumpy ride. <laughs> okay. Got it. <clears throat> um, um. What are we talking about today? So I have safety pledge. Okay. An order I put in through city council. Um, I have, and that. Yeah, that goes with like the traffic safety initiatives that I've been um, slow rolling mm-hmm. as you, fast as possible. You're just establishing yourself as the traffic cop. That's <laughs> I'm all. The, just, I'm the traffic lady. The traffic with lady. no power, no traffic power. <laughs> I'm just asking you guys very nicely. <laughs> please, please slow it down, please. We live here. Um, uh, brush fires, another order I put in mm-hmm. to, um, and that was inspired by. You, Terry. That's because I always want to talk about the weather. So let's just talk about the <laughs> I was weather. like, that's a great point, you know. So safety, um, fires, climate change, you know, all that goody-goody gumdrop stuff. Um, gentrification. Yeah. Gentrification nation. <laughs> I think we all know what that is. Um, and... There's something going on at New England Public Media. Ooh. Yeah, it's real spicy over there right now. Yeah, I've I've only heard some rumors. I, I'm not up to par, but I, I, I have a feeling you know a lot of what's going on. I don't know a lot. I know a little bit because I just read, like, one article. And then I've been talking <laughs> to some people. <laughs> so it's worth touching on. Just a little bit. Um, there's a shot spotter report out. Oh, yeah. Uh, we might have to break this into two shows. Yeah, that might uh, be. Yeah. <laughs> um, problems. <laughs> no, just having problems just problems like problems in the air just problems yeah mm-hmm. more more issues than sports illustrated yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> there you go. that's a good one i like that <laughs> yeah more issues than sports illustrated mm-hmm. i love that yeah um that's what i got on my notes all right cool then let's get into it all, all, right. all right yes bye <laughs> this hey coco we're back Hey, Terry. Hey, Terry. What's up? So um, you said like a couple episodes ago that you had put in this order. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. I put in a, a order, um, what I'm calling kind of like the traffic safety pledge. Mm-hmm. Um, and it reads. Okay. So a dramatic reading. In the interest of public safety, that a traffic safety pledge be created in good faith and that this pledge be taken by all city employees and officials. All city employees and officials should be expected to model righteous behavior by adhering to speed limits and following all traffic laws, especially when using city vehicles. How can we expect our community to respect its laws if city employees are blatantly disregarding them? Short and sweet. Yeah. To the point. People people have been um, getting back to me and saying they think it's a really good idea. I wasn't sure if it was great and corny or just great and awesome. Mm-hmm. Maybe some combination of all of that. Yeah. Um, but I think it, it really, it's important. You know, we, we have some fundamental issues in Holyoke. Um, this is not the least of them, but mm-hmm. the, and there's definitely others. But, you know, the, the complaints I get from my community tend to be about traffic, speeding, running stop signs, running lights. Um, I had a, sorry, DPW. 
I had a dump truck pass me on the right the other day, mm. you know, coming up Hamden, like, and then cutting people off after the light because it turns into a one lane mm-hmm. by the Dunkin' Donuts, you know? Mm. I'm like, come on. Is that totally necessary? You at work. You got plenty of time. Right. You right. know, you like. You on the city's clock. You yeah, know you're on mean? the clock. Take it easy, man. Right, right. You know, so. I felt a little away about that. And I don't report incidents like that because I don't feel like anything really comes of it, mm-hmm. which is another issue we have in our city. Um, I do think that the our city culture is changing, you know, slowly. But um, I really think that if we as a as Team Holyoke would take the time to to really commit mm-hmm. to making the city better and and that we can make big changes. And right. this is not the kind of thing where, you know, um, it's, it would be part of HR or anything. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not going to suddenly have a clause in your work description, <clears throat> excuse me, that says, you know, you got to take this traffic pledge. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, it's the kind of thing where in get good faith you could take it. And maybe we do something corny like, um, like put your picture on the, I took the traffic pledge yeah, city yeah, page, yeah. Yeah. you know, just like yeah. I took the pledge so, to like model good behavior. Right. And this is the face that won't cut you off. Like I'm right. Not- <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. And like, I'm not going to be the one like running that red light or, mm-hmm. or like, you know, creeping through the stop sign. Like, um, I don't know. I think a little accountability and, and some public acknowledgement that there is a problem. And then the acknowledgement that you're going to be a part of, um, the solution mm-hmm. starts to create a change in in culture. Yeah, yeah, I I think it's a good first step, right? Because like an acknowledgement is always that first step, and and commitment to one another is a good first step as well. So, mm-hmm. like I think that these are good things to do. I, I mean, like I do, I I think, and some folks might want more accountability. Like want to know, like okay, how are we going to follow up with some of these? I don't want to say bad actors, but bad actors, you know what I mean? And some of the folks that are breaking our traffic laws that also are employed by the city, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And we've had these issues before in the city. So, and, and thinking about that. So yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it all boils down into us creating some sort of culture of accountability and like, yeah, I think just the pledge is a very easy way to do it without having to get into like, contracts in HR and like yeah, yeah. it's just like a, a good faith initiative where you know you say I'm gonna do this and yeah. you know you're policing yourself but mm-hmm. I think when when you make a commitment to your neighbors and, and your community um, it does mean something mm-hmm. if you have any integrity yeah. you know so I, I think you know accountability integrity being a good Samaritan like I know these things are all optional mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but they should i think we should be striving for these know if, things you I don't know? know if i would call them optional <laughs> i would say well, they're treated as if they're optional right? <laughs> i would say a lot of people are treating them as if like it's my choice to be a good friendly yeah. community member or, or cut everybody off because i'm just having right. a rough day right you know and maybe that helps people think when they're having a bad day or something you know uh wait a second i'm still you know, a member of this community. I still work at City Hall. I'm still on the police force. I'm mm-hmm. still on the fire department. I'm still the director of this department. And I'm responsible. 
You know what I mean? I'm in, I'm in a place yeah. of responsibility. I have to be responsible. Right. I got this giant orange vehicle. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I could, I could really destroy somebody's day. So yeah. like, yeah, I have to be responsible and be mindful of that. Yeah, let's take a moment, right? right? Let's take a breather. Like, okay. And Holyoke's yeah. not a big place. You you don't need to get anywhere. Right. Like, you're probably just going like... to Capri. Or <laughs> probably, I mean, <laughs> you're going to get a slice. <laughs> right. <man>. Slow it down. <laughs> right. Just chill. I mean, it takes me about six minutes to get almost anywhere in the city. You right. know, so like. Like, right. what's the hurry? Are you going to save 42 seconds right. by running a light? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I will I will say, like I do, like I said, I do appreciate that. I think it's, um, yeah, I think it's I think it's something that's needed. And even just in, like, the acknowledgement, it's going to be good to see how that would be responded to. Yeah. So, And I think we can't just continue to do things the same way over and over again. You know, like, we are the living definition of insanity in this city at this <laughs> point. So... You know, we can't expect the police to do everything. We can't expect City Hall to do everything. We can't We can't expect any one department to be in charge of everything all right. the time. Right. So if we can put a little more onus on ourselves instead of being like, well, nobody's watching, so I'm just going to do this mm-hmm. stupid thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So that that, that ordinance is still, where is it at now? Um, it's been sent to um, public safety. Mm. So it's going to committee um, for the next meeting. I'm sure there'll be a discussion about it. Nice. So tune in. Yeah. Tune in for that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Do you feel like you got some support on it? In the council? Uh-oh. Excuse me. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. That's how I feel about Uh-oh. it. Um, no, I I didn't get a lot of support on the council. Nobody, like, jumped out of their seat and was like, oh, sign me up to be on There's that, seat, you know? Yeah. Um, but, but I have gotten community support and emails about it, which is um, uh, inspiring. So it lets me know that you know, people are paying attention. They do mm-hmm. want things to happen any way possible. Right. You know, and it's it's nice to see people not just saying, well, we need more traffic cops. Yeah. Thank you, Captain Obvious. You know, we yeah. know this. We know what we know the obvious things we need. But what else can we do to support these yeah. initiatives without just saying, hey, Chief Pratt, you got to do all this stuff and on also, top of all this other stuff. And then know? also to make sure that you underscore that the city on like prioritize the safety right? right and like especially among its employees and so the question is is like how do we how do we do that and like take st- take steps towards something more sustainable right you know what i mean and like you gotta start somewhere yeah, yeah. and I, I i will say like you know there's conversations <laughs> this is a funny aside there's conversations about you know electrifying our dpw and putting more like elect- those things are fast man Oh yeah, <laughs> we had this conversation. Electric cars are fast, so yeah. well. But but there, you can actually um, adjust them since it's an electric car. You can give it like limits and stuff. Okay, and, so and yeah, you can do some programming so that the trucks can't go too fast. There or, you like, go. That's what we're gonna do. Yeah, <laughs> the mayor's car only goes forty. Only forty. <laughs> he can't go on the highway. <laughs> <laughs> it's like in a procession you can't always. take that to work anywhere outside right, of the city right. because it only goes 40 miles well, that's kind of mean but anyway like I, I was just making a joke that like you know these cars might be these newer vehicles might be a little faster mm-hmm. you know what i mean and so might we be can, a little bit can, zippier i think the mayor program. actually might have said that in one of his posts i know you guys got those newer cars and they're a little zippier <laughs> but you need to slow you know, it down you need to chill out you know yeah, what i mean it's yeah. easy to go too fast and those that's a good point yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm just saying i I'm just saying. So, anyways, shouts out to this bill. Hopefully, it makes or ordinance makes sure. Yeah, works its way through. It won't be an ordinance though. It's just, it's just a. It's, I'm, it's I'm, just I'm, a I'm sorry. Yeah, it's just a pledge. I'm sorry. It's this not pledge. gonna be a law. This, <laughs> this, <laughs> this pledge. This, this commitment. Yeah. Yeah. 
So yeah, thanks. Sweet. Thanks for listening, Terry. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back. So Terry. Yes, Coco. Um, do you know where people can submit their events since it's the 150th year of Holyoke's existence and everybody wants to go to every event? Oh my gosh, where can they submit their events? Okay, well, exploreholyoke.com is a new site about all things Holyoke and they would love it if you're having an event that you send them the info so they can add it to their calendar and post your event and your space and all that goody stuff. That's great. Can you do that? In the microphone. <laughs> uh, I thought my volumes were okay. Damn. You getting a tick? Yeah, I'm. I have too much on my plate, and I'm not functioning well. Mm. Got to slow it down. It's the climate. It's the climate. <laughs> it's the climate. Speaking of the climate, um, I'm glad that you uh, you accepted my my challenge of doing something about wildfires in the city. Yeah, I thought that was a great idea. So I put in an order that said, um, in the interest of public safety, that a brush fire or um, avoidance and response plan be provided to city councilors and be publicized on the city website. Um, so basically that's being sent um, also to public safety and um, the Holyoke Fire Department. So the idea is that they would come into public safety or submit some kind of fire plan to public safety that we can put in the public record and um, publicize. Nice, nice. Yeah. And I, I mean, because I think you brought up some really good points. You know, we we joked about atmospheric rivers, but you know, it's coming into summer when we have like drought times, which you know we don't always have, but definitely come up. You know, what happens when somebody does something silly like drop a cigarette butt in the woods? You That's know? all it takes. I mean, in like in the last few weeks, we saw some wildfires here. Like yeah, bef- wasn't there something in Orange? Mm, there was something in Orange, but there was something in Springfield. Oh, really? You know what I mean? I like there was one. like a wildfire on the side of the road in Springfield and it like destroyed two cars or like a brush fire or whatever. So um, and then I was on I was on the pike. Uh, a couple weeks ago and like a brush fire like stalled traffic for 30 minutes like we wow. were just sitting there not going anywhere it's for not even minutes. summer yet right? it's not even summer yet though you yeah. know what i mean and, and we might be fooled because it's 30 degrees outside again yeah. you know what but I mean? if it's dry it's dry <laughs> it's dry yeah. and, and things are gonna set on fire so yeah. yeah and that's another thing like you know if you're driving down the highway you shouldn't be throwing cigarette butts out the window please, please don't please don't they please don't, don't. Yeah, they don't break down and they can cause fires. Uh, listen to you. It's trying to save their environment. It's kind of late, but right. <laughs> I mean, we're just stating the obvious at this point. Just do your part. That's all yeah. we're asking. You like, know? don't drop an entire bag of McDonald's out of your window mm-hmm. after you've parked in front of my house and eaten lunch, please. Do people do that? They, okay. They strangely they do. Mm-hmm. I don't know on what planet that's acceptable, mm-hmm. but apparently in Holyoke it, it's done. I used to. No, nah, I didn't leave my garbage behind, but I did used to pull up on random streets and eat my lunch because. I mean that happens. Mm-hmm. You know, you're on your lunch break. You don't want to be around others. Whatever. But I, I but don't be leaving your whole bag of food in front of my house. I think your street is a little out there, so that's a stretch. Maybe somebody's got it. A, got it on you and they just I want see you. it I see it. it maybe it's just a word for problem you know yeah. like I mean yeah this gets into a whole nother conversation but um 
Yeah. Brush taking fires care of the, the, taking care of the environment, though. That's the whole conversation. Right. And we I just, mean, we had I mean, um, the mayor did a cleanup initiative, you know, where he did some public service announcements mm-hmm. like, please don't throw an entire bag of trash out of your window in front of somebody's house. There yeah. are plenty of, you know, there are public garbage cans randomly around the city. And, you know, I would really like to see a push to have the especially the chains mm-hmm. in our city have take on a little more um, responsibility for the trash they create. Ooh. I know it's a big one, but like the amount of McDonald's and Dunkin' Donuts trash I see around the city is like absurd. Yeah. And as I would say, so we had this uh, Green Holyoke committee meeting earlier this week, and I felt like part of that was the some of that was in the conversation where we were. I, I kind of came in late, but like there were was conversation about like, what can we do to try to. And I think that's always the conversation. What can we do to try to like get these restaurants to use more sustainable packaging yeah um and yeah i think for the chains it, it's a little bit more like you got to go through those corporate channels to get them to ch- change things and maybe it might be on the franchise i'm not sure the individual franchise making the choice about like what kind of packaging they want to use but i also like mentioned like was thinking about what kind of incentive programs should we initiate for smaller businesses who mm. like making this shift might be just it's an economic issue right i can't right. i can't afford the foofy packaging right. i don't want to give you the soggy as much as i want to give you a soggy straw to go into your drink <laughs> you <laughs> the, know what i mean the soggy straws aren't cheap as the they're other not straws. right right <laughs> right and so like i think thinking about that would be something i also want to say how this ties into the to the fire issues because it is fuel for the fire if our cities are like full of trash and like grounds are covered in that's fuel for um for fire and i don't i don't want to run around like screaming with my head on fire (laughs) (laughs) Literally. (laughs) literally but you know i do think that's something that we should be concerned with i mean it gets really dry out here in western mass and like i think we should be doing everything we can to try to like make it so that our whole town doesn't have a disaster yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. and it would beautify which is also nice oh the beautify i mean i think this gets us gets us into a whole other conversation too about like the beautification of holyoke and who that's for i think we've had a little bit of a curb appeal conversation i wanted a beautification of holyoke the whole time i've been here i've mm-hmm. been here since the 90s <laughs> everyone's wearing leather um so, <laughs> <laughs> so i mean maybe the beautification is uh yeah i hear you terry I think that's another convo, though. Let's segue. You want to segue? Are we going to segue? Short, short segment. All right. Segue. Hey, Terry. Hi, Coco. (laughs) (laughs) Have you been over to the artery? I have once. What did you think about it? I liked it a lot. What is that? It's a it's a place where you can go buy art. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So there's some businesses popping up, which is pretty cool. The Artery is um, was actually funded by a grant, I believe, to open it up. So oh, nice. Um, and it's a space to allow local local artists to um, consign their wares. So they and it can be clothing, literally, or any kind of art. Um, there's a lot of crafty stuff in there. Nice, yeah. nice. I like. I- I bought some candles out of there. <laughs> yeah, I've definitely bought some candles out yeah, of there. Yeah, it's a good place to buy and candles. It's a good place for gifts. Yeah, and you know, this gets me into a conversation about collecting art. I think we all should collect art. 
We should. So, and connect, collect your neighbor's art. Yeah. It so, doesn't have to be like million dollar art. It just has to be fun and right. you have to like it. And if you happen to support someone that you know or have met locally, it's pretty cool too. Um, so I just wanted to let people know that the artery is not open every day. Um, it is on High Street. It's open Thursdays through Saturdays, 11 to 5, and it they have local artist stuff, and it's great for gifts. Um, they're at 289 High Street in Holyoke, um, and they do have a website. It's www.holyokeart.com. So um, they usually extend their hours when it gets warmer out, but we're not there yet. So if you need something, go over to the Artery and visit them Thursday through Saturday. Awesome. See you there. Okay, I drank some water. I'm ready to talk about gentrification. I didn't. I didn't either. I lied. <laughs> <laughs> what if I do it now? Okay, do it. There you go. Um, okay, so the only reason why I wanted to talk about gentrification is because there's a hot... I don't want to get into this. But there's a really hot conversation about murals happening around the city. Yes, there is. And the painting of murals. And who's painting them and, and for what reason. And for what reason. And as an artist, like, I think murals are dope. I've been a part of, like, a bunch of different mural programs. I think that they're a really great way to highlight um, the city, the culture of the city, like, be able to, to come up with some catchphrases even. I've seen those. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, but there's also a conversation of, like, who's this for and why you're doing that. Um, and I, I posted in one of the chats that like, you know, this article about art and gentrification. And there was a really interesting line in there, in this article about like what happens when a city opens itself up to gentrification. Mm. And for me, like, I mean, it makes total sense. It makes total sense as how we get here. And sometimes it's a, a city's, it's a slippery slope for a city to end up like, being invitational to the gentrifiers, right? Right. And I think another article that I was reading was talking about, like, just kind of some of the economic disparities that our cities have seen since, like, or the post-industrialization of our cities and, like, the shift of our economics from, like, being focused on manufacturing, like Holyoke here, um, to something else, to more, like, an investment and a building of an economy surrounding ideas and like experimental projects. Mm. Um, and so anyways, there's a lot for city planners and folks that are in that space to think about. And yeah, anyways, it was just a really interesting like, oh, yes, you want development. Yes, you want to build up your communities and make them look nicer. But I guess for me, the gentrification part is, is like making sure that community members are included or else you get gentrification, right? Because like that's right. the definition, right? The definition is when you are excluding those community members of color who have been historically disenfranchised by planning and economic development policies, how do you like keep them in, the, in included in the process? So anyways, that's that was my topic. That's heavy. It's a heavy topic. Well, I mean, and... How do you include, how, how do you create inclusive economies, inclusive environments when gentrification is clearly like, it's, it's snowballing, mm -hmm. 
you know, and it's starting to happen really, really fast. Like, yeah. you know, and I know you've you you've seen it the same way I have seen it in, in areas of Pittsburgh. Um, you know, when when real estate's cheap and those who have cash come in and scoop it up and start, you know, rehabbing and redoing things before you know it, there's no no affordable living mm-hmm. and the only people who survive <clears throat> Are those who are part who have skin in the game as investors or owners? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's it's real out here. I yeah. did. I received a constituent call this morning about, um, you know, a family desperately looking for a, an affordable two bedroom apartment in Holyoke, and, you know. I don't have a whole lot to share with them that they don't already know. Mm-hmm. You know, I can point you to the various services that exist, the very, you know, the Holyoke housing, the wayfinders, the, you know, if you're wherever I point you towards. It's probably it's, a wait list. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's a list and most people are on those lists mm-hmm. already, mm-hmm. you know, and if you're not on that list, then it's even like a sadder conversation about the, the, how many years it's going to take before you find something right. people when you're looking for a place to live you're looking now <laughs> right you're not looking for in five years from now right because like none of that's going to be available five years it's not just this yeah yeah but i yeah I, I think the conversation is is how do we continue to develop our cities build our cities without displacing our people how do we again like include our pe- include community members into this whole entire process and I think the other part is, is like, I know that we're, we need a tax base. (laughs) You need, you need people to like, be able to keep the city going. We have a budget and Mm. and we have services that we need to take care of. And it really is reliant on having some sort of like, having some, some sort of income. Right. (laughs) The city needs income. Right. The city needs income. And I think that like this, again, the slippery slope is, is always looking out for what does the balance look like, I guess? For for me, I think I think that the balance looks like however the balance looks like, right? But right. making sure that like other people are part of that conversation to help strike that balance, right? I mean, is rent control part of the balance? I feel like rent control should be a part of that balance, yeah. right? Cuz the the truth of the matter is is like you have landlords out here who are egregious with their rent, right? Mm. And like I also recognize that landlords are looking at what other people are charging for rent and kind of going by that. So right. if everybody's charging 1500, then everybody's charging 1500. Right. You know what and I mean? And it's just, it and that's just, just what it is. Up. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, and yeah, so definitely that's also part of it. And I think we even mentioned tenant protections as a part of that process too, like making sure that like we're also clear about tenants rights and all of that. So I think that all kind of plays into this process of like including and making sure that community members have a voice and like we're clear yeah (laughs) you know what i mean yeah um i see some some cities do like community benefit agreements and have those types of things and like i think i may have mentioned on the show like dudley street neighborhood initiative has a really great relationship well has a relationship with the city of boston and kind of carving out some of those criteria and maybe not necessarily like criteria is a strong word, but some of those suggestions for new developers in the city, like in, in making sure that they are finding ways to include low income folks, especially and people of color into this process um, and thinking about their housing. Well, what about um, nonprofits? 
um, I understand that, you know, because of their tax base or because of their tax structure, they usually don't have to pay taxes. But there's a lot of conversation going on right now, too, in various municipalities, including our own, about how nonprofits are kind of coming in. You know, they do their thing. They don't really they don't pay into the community. Mm-hmm. They're, they're providing all these services, but you don't necessarily see um, the the positive results from those services. You know, they don't owe the city any explanation of or any stats on what they're doing or what they're improving. Mm-hmm. But they are sitting here getting rich off of um, the services they're providing in our city. Mm-hmm. But they're nonprofits, so they're not getting rich, you mm-hmm. know. Or, you know, the people who work for them aren't getting rich. A lot of the directors and CEOs are doing pretty, pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wonder why we don't have, like, community initiative agreements in almost every developer's contract coming in, like, or company coming in, nonprofit coming in, hospital coming in, um, what have you. If it's, a, if it's not city-run, what are you giving us? Some of that you don't is, have to pay us taxes, but what are you giving us? Some of that is required for your larger nonprofits that receive federal fundings, federal funds, and uh, like I know that like that's why they have to do community health needs assessments and that kind mm-hmm. of thing from hospitals. So part of that is is the ask, um, and I do think that like there could be a way in which we are like clear about nonprofits working in our communities and like what is it, what is it that you're doing and how are we share. I think even just for for collaboration's sake, right? And just mm-hmm. to be clear about who's in the community and what work you're doing and how we can share, right? I think that that's, a, that's an important part about it. Um, and I, I, do, I do think that, like, again, Massachusetts is in a very unique position where it really strongly supports organizations of color and organizations that are led by women, um, prioritizes those organizations over those white-led, organ- white-led nonprofits, so some of that infrastructure is kind of being built out. Mm-hmm. But I think the bigger asks of like, what are you doing here? Um, kind of needs to be fleshed out. Because again, and this is not to get into it too deep, but like, you know, we had a conversation with the auditor's office and like we all kind of are recognizing that there are a lot of organizations that are in our communities that aren't doing what they say they're supposed to be doing. Right. And how do we hold them accountable? Right. And the auditor's office can only really make a suggestion, mind you, like they do an audit and they say, this is what's happening here. And yeah, that's about it. And it's, you know, other entities within the government that are holding folks accountable for that. So I don't know. I, I definitely see them, there being a need, for holding and again holding accountable but also like developing some wider like intentional collaborations among the cities and the nonprofits. Mm-hmm. Um and I I'll also say about like as far as pay goes yeah I was one of those folks who like would do this work for free you mm-hmm. know what I mean no problem and and I and I've done that. I mean, that's why my resume looks like it does mostly working in service industry and warehouse jobs while I do other organizing efforts on the side. And I don't know, I think there's something to be said about organizations who like prioritize taking care of their leaders and making sure that those folks are there. And, um, and I think that for nonprofits, those positions are a little bit more open to community members than uh, other organizations for some nonprofits, those right. positions are open more to community members and they need that and they want that and actually support that and are developing that. So, um, yeah, <laughs> I guess that's, well, you said once, um, I mean, 
you said once, and I don't remember what exactly you said, but how the how companies and how cities spend their money really shows their values, mm-hmm. you know. And I think this is I, you're just pointing it out again with nonprofits, any kind of organizations, any services in our city. They really they really show who they are by the way they spend their funds. Exactly. And um, I think, unfortunately or fortunately, um, we will see soon enough how Holyoke feels by how it's spending its money. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and again, I think that we've had, we've seen it. And I think one of the one of the things that I like really am happy about is that ARPA funds being focused on housing, right, for example. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's, a, that's a priority. We recognize that and making sure that you shuttle the rest of the ARPA funds towards any initiatives that are supporting housing and tenants and that kind of thing. I think those are great, great endeavors. Yeah, but I'm, I'd be interested to see how far Holyoke is willing to go. Um, and we had a, you know, we had a couple off the record conversations, but like uh, about this, this is kind of one of the follow ups that I did want. <laughs> actually, I wanted to talk about economic development more because I think is I, I think it's an important piece to the puzzle. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like often, again, economic development in our cities are just such an exclusive good old boys kind of club and we're always relying on investing and giving money and funds and resources and support to the same old same old and we're not for the lack of better term making the riskier investment which is in community members who have these brilliant ideas and who've been putting this work in for a really long time have like some proven track record and you're still like shuffling your feet to actually invest in their endeavors one of the things that I was thinking about was I did the, um, I may have mentioned this, uh, I did a business planning through like a local chamber of commerce in outside of Pittsburgh. And like, I just remember how many community members from the city of Wilkinsburg that were in that room. It was, it was packed. It was sold out, like sold out being, it was a free course too. So, but there was no room. And for six months people or for six weeks, people were going through this business planning and then like wanting to start small businesses within the city of Wilkinsburg. Mm-hmm. The issue was, is like, there were no businesses, no storefronts for these little, little small mom and pops to actually go to. So mm-hmm. there was no infrastructure, no real like leaning into building out that infrastructure. Yeah, it's like, great, we have this great plan and we, we might be able to get fun startup funding, but there's nowhere to go. There's nowhere to go. <laughs> and it was like, it would really take the city to make that investment to like, so then what was the point of getting people to take the six-week course if there's nowhere to go from there? And just to, like, you know, say you did, basically. You yeah. know what I mean? And, like, at the end of the day, nothing against any of the facilitators. Any, but, like, definitely there was space that needed to be renovated and brought up to code. But, you know. And and this is this is what I'm talking about, right? organizations who get funding and have you know to do what seems like it's important good feel good you know lift your uplift your community work just to find out okay great we all got paid to facilitate this and to bring you this six-week course that you took for free it's just another money grab Mm because we got nothing to offer you now you have a business plan now you can go stick it in a drawer at your house and say oh i tried to I put a great business plan together, but there was nowhere to open it. Yeah. Yeah. 
and that and that's the that's the issue right that's and, silly. i mean and i think we find that I, I honestly i think we find that across the human services field right yeah. where like i'm doing a for class right now i'm doing my practicum is focused on uh children who age out of like foster care and like those types of services right yeah. Be- because there's there's all these cracks it's like there's a lot of programs that help you all the way up until you're 18 but once you get to 18 yeah and they just boot you out now good and, luck and now you're out here and the wildest fact is is like 50 percent of the people that are homeless right now have spent time in foster care Ugh. So there's a direct connection there, right? To like, well, if you're not learning life skills, and then all of a sudden you're on your own, you know what I mean? And so then helpful. you end up, then you end up kind of in this cycle, in this. And so we, we, we all throughout the human services field, we see like where we're not going far enough, and I and I understand that. Like again, to that off the record conversation that we had, that there are some people out there that believe that we have to keep a certain portion of our folks at a certain poverty level, at a certain education level, in order for us, whoever we're leading, you know, whoever the leader may be, in order for us to succeed and to to be at the top of that food chain. Yeah, because there's not enough to go around, apparently. And that's that scarcity mentality, right? Yeah, what is that about? Because we believe that there's not enough for us. And also, like, I, I would say... It, I think it's also just the competitive nature of, of like, our society, you know? Because I, I, I have to say, like, uh, when I look around and realize, you know, why some people are where they are and some people aren't, and, and even comparing to myself... I'm not very competitive and I'm not, I'm not combative. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of arguments I don't take on um, because it's just not in my nature, I guess. Like right. I'm not going to sit here and argue with you. I'm just not going to do it. Like I'm going to just be like, okay, well let's talk later when you're back on the planet and can function, you right. know, and you have a conversation like I'll converse, but I'm not the one. So when I, when I look around and see, you know, it's like the people who aren't willing to fight with you full time mm-hmm. um, suffer, mm-hmm. and it's it's not right. Um, and the scarcity mentality doesn't help anything, but <laughs> or I, anyone. But I would say some of that. <laughs> I'll give folks grace. Is some of that is like the culture in which we live in, where right. like the wealth and all the resources and access to all those resources was and has historically been hoarded amongst right white folks you know what i mean white affluent folks who like and so it always felt like we were begging for something we didn't have ever really have enough the wildest thing is is though inside our homes for especially for folks of color in my home i'll speak for myself we always felt like we still had an abundance even within our poverty Mm -hmm. so you know what i mean like that's the it's the weird it's a weird balance there like inside the home we, we we do feel this sense of abundance but then outside the home like constantly reminded of like, like how, how little we fighting have. for your life exactly well, exactly in, in many ways you are right <laughs> true story <laughs> you are and i think that that's partly where that scarcity mentality comes from is like it's deeply ingrained into like the way in which we are taught to live right the culture it's look at us right into the culture oh man we've talked for a really long time speaking of the culture yeah we should probably take a little all break. right let's take a break <laughs> bye <laughs> Hey Terry, what's up, Coco? What you know about Made in Holyoke? Um, I seen the hoodies. What's up? Made in Holyoke is pretty cool. Um, it's not new, although it seems like all of a sudden you see the hoodies everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but they just launched their website, so now 
everybody can get a hoodie. You used to have to know somebody. Right. You had to know somebody who knew somebody who knew somebody. Right. And then you might get a hoodie mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. that somebody told somebody that you was getting a hoodie. Wow. Yeah. But These now, was exclusive. This was the exclusive. I mean, they were for the masses because, like, unless you were in the mix, mm-hmm. you know, unless you were a personal friend of the Made in Holyoke movement, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you probably didn't get a hoodie. But um, Made in Holyoke launched its website. It's at madeinholyoke.com. And um, it's a vision that was procured by the late Justin Chavez. He was a local activist and rapper who passed away recently. And um, he's done a lot of like work in the city and proceeds from sales of the hoodies, not full proceeds, but like a percentage of the proceeds goes to various organizations and keeping his memory alive because he did so much for the city. That's what's up. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I really like it. I have to go support that legacy. Absolutely. (laughs) So your question is why those with power feel this like sense? Where does the scarcity mentality come from for for those who have and are in power that's what i don't understand i understand why people who are struggling have a scarcity mentality and are fighting to get ahead Mm -hmm. that that is to me um warranted Mm -hmm. completely Mm because you know nobody's nobody cares and nobody's going to figure it out for you you gotta you gotta get it together and figure it out or you are not going to make it. Right. And that's unfortunate, and that's the system and the society we live in. Mm-hmm. Um, what I don't understand is the scarcity mentality from those who have and are in, in power, as if, like, by helping others or by letting a little bit go to lift up the rest of their community, they'll somehow um, fall apart. <laughs> like, but, I don't understand but that. That's it. But that's, like, again, what they've been taught us that they lose their power and like and it's not really power over what right you know what i mean (laughs) i mean for me it really does all feel kind of fictional like you've made you you are living in this fantasy land this fairy tale in a lot of ways it does feel like that i I get that but i also think that like you don't have power over me i don't know you so what you worried about what i'm doing over here right you know what i mean (laughs) but like at the end of the day they they might feel as though they do have some sort of influence right and in order to maintain that influence they have to like keep their circle small i mean and that's the street code right always keep your circle small but anyway but they feel like they can't share those resources and expand and i'm for me i guess what i'm saying is is i'm about spreading power Right, Not so much about like hoarding it for myself, but figuring out how can we spread that out horizontally. Yeah. Right. And not and I think that that's where that scarcity vibe comes from is when you're trying to just keep it for yourself. And and the other thing is, it's like completely unsustainable. Why do you want all these responsibilities on your shoulder? Like, don't you want to delegate? Like, don't you want to like put that work on other? I don't understand. But I think at the core of it. I mean, we've had, you can definitely look at American-style racism and white supremacy Mm -hmm. as to how that, like, has structured barring certain people away from, like, literally uh, from having access to resources and to a livelihood. Just for the sake of it. Just for the sake of it. You know, (laughs) Not for any real reason just because like these are the because i said so answers well, that i can't really hmm. wrap my mind around okay so this might be this uh-oh 
you might you you okay. Should I take a deep breath too? Well, one of my one of my crazy theories. One of my crazy theories is this. Captured and enslaved Africans were brought to this country as livestock, as chattel, used as like oxen and Mm -hmm. horses and cows. Okay, that's how human beings were treated. Absolutely. One of the like principles of managing animals is not to live close to them and underneath of them like that, right? Right. And to continue to treat them like that. And so that's like always been something like you Hmm. treated these human beings as if they were animals and you just never like wanted to live and be a part of you you just didn't even have the capacity. So it's like even in their mind is like, I don't even see why I should share with you. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like. I don't live next to you. I don't live next. I don't, I don't we're different species. We're, we're a different. completely different species. We're a different species. That's that's right. That's harsh. Right. But you have to have that mentality to to think that to think that way to completely dehumanize me. Yeah. That's basically what you did thinking about me like that. And so I I really think that that is like kind of the point zero is like you have to rehumanize me. You have to care for me like you care for yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's the whole, and you're not, and I don't think that this this nation really does have a culture to to doing that because it puts so much energy in not caring for me, right? It put um, more- On it, purpose, On yeah. purpose. It put more energy Caring in even less for you than, than for peers, which are already cares very little about peers, family. I mean, there's- the breakdown of society and and the selfishness in in American society like is beyond the pale. Mm-hmm. You know, that was a <laughs> that was a high thought, by the way. Probably <laughs> just saying, <laughs> just like, but it's one I I sat with for a really long time. It's just like, and by the way, that that's probably got to be out. Um, but yeah, but gentrification essentially is the dehumanizing of the local population for for what is being um packaged as the greater good and the wildest it's such a conundrum to me because the reason why you gentrified some communities the reason why some communities get gentrified in the first place is because somebody showed up and says oh this place has a vibe this place has a culture despite all that it's going that's going on despite its economic depression it has a vibe and i want to capture that and like hone that culture vultures there you go you know what i mean it was a we had a we had a problem like that when um east liberty when we were living in, when i was living in pittsburgh uh like east liberty was kind of going through its phases and opening up restaurants there was a white dude who wanted to open up a chicken and waffles themed restaurant like a chicken and waffles restaurant with a hip-hop theme i kid you not and i was just like what <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> was very very confused like why cultural this? appropriation but he was just in there like in east liberty like i was just like okay all right cool <laughs> maybe he grew up in the south and we sure it wasn't paul wall I, this was no paul wall he ended up he actually ended up, i think uh, i don't want to get his dude a shout out but he ended up i think he also opened up a um if i'm not mistaken an oyster bar too so you would love that oh yeah. interesting <laughs> it was more up your speed <laughs> I like anyway, that. I right? like that. Yeah. But yeah, he just came, he pulled up and it was like, oh yeah, we're going to do a hip hop themed chicken and waffles restaurant. And I was just like, Mm-mm, nah, fam, nah, it's not for you. But yeah, 
The reason why I all that to say is the reason why you move into our community and you show up is because there's certain there's something there that's attracting. But you. what about it makes you think? And I'm I'm speaking of those who would move here because, um, what about coming into this community would make you think, hey, I like the vibe, and I don't think the locals should stay anymore. I think I should just take over their spaces. Because I got priced, I mean, gentrification also happens because people are getting priced out of their own communities mm-hmm. often, too. So the what seems like wealth being brought to one community is actually people getting priced out of other communities. And I'm speaking specifically about, like, the New York cities, the San, you know, San Francisco's, like, like the, the cities where you really can't afford to live if you're not making at least like one and a half million a year. And those are the people who are moving here. The, the people out of Brooklyn, the people like they're coming here because they can get more bang for their for buck. The buck. Right. And their buck. Yeah. They can. Their dollar goes farther here. Right. And that's a good point. Like I was watching. Um, I was watching Atlanta a couple like revisiting watching all of these episodes of Atlanta because I love the show. Shout out to Donald Glover. It's a great show, Afro surrealism at its best. But anyway, there was an episode in there where Darius takes like this lady to a Nigerian restaurant to get some yolof rice or whatever the case may be. And this white lady is sitting in there and she's loving the vibe, loving the Nigerian music, loving the flavor, the smells, all of that. And uh, like the next day that, you know, Darius shows up to go to this restaurant. It's closed. And she's got, this lady's got like a food truck selling Yolof rice in front of the restaurant. (laughs) She was like, I loved it so much that I bought it. You know what I mean? Like I just, like that was it. You know what I mean? And like, I think, I think that there's some of that mentality, mentality out there. Like I want this. I'm just going to, I'm just going to take it. I'm just going to, well, I'm going to purchase it. Right. I'm going to purchase it. Therefore it's technically mine, but. What can you say? You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I bought this person out and like, what can you say about the it? The almighty dollar. That mighty dollar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's, I think that that's part of what it is. It's like, you know, you go into this space, you loved it so much. And like, and then the wildest thing is just it, the, the store was closed. Like you ended up opening up your own, having to open up your own. But like, yeah. Just I mean, this, I've moved places because I like the vibe. I, you know, I gotta say, I haven't I, been able to just buy places because I like the vibe. I'm not, I haven't been able to do that. Can I say I wouldn't? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Like that, that dollar be changing up your mind. I mean, you might end up in, you might end up in a villa in Italy somewhere, and that's it's for the low low. <laughs> you just end and up buying do- the whole thing. My dollar might go further. <laughs> right, there. you never know. I mean, that's happened. That's that's what. Yeah, they have uh, Italian towns that have done. That's, have seen influxes of Americans. Greg, Look at what's yeah, happening yeah. in Tulum in Mexico. Yep. I mean, there are places like this all over the world where a, a tourist stopped in and was like, "Whoa, it is like paradise and mad cheap," and I'm moving. And I had, I used to have a conflict. I I used to roll with a friend of mine. One of my friends that I used to roll with was a flipper, and he used to buy homes from anywhere from thirty to forty thousand dollars throughout the city of Pittsburgh and like he would then flip them to the most immaculate properties you've ever seen in your house ever seen in your life that are going for like six seven hundred thousand dollar homes right I'm talking marble everywhere bathrooms you might as well live in that kind of situation you know what I mean and I I felt sometimes conflicted hanging out with this dude as we partied in these houses before they sold but you know what I mean (laughs) (laughs) but it's just like I felt I felt conflicted rolling with this dude 
But you also see it. I mean, this is capitalism, mm-hmm. you know, so you also it, it is a conflict, you know, because it's like your your heart feels away, but your your logic brain that understands that you live in a capitalist society also understands that, you know, it is within his right to to buy a house for 30 grand, put in 200, sell it for, you know, 200 percent profit. Like that is his right. And that is how people get ahead in a nation like this. Totally. Like everybody's got to hustle and it's, and I'm sick of it. Yeah. I don't want to hustle. I just want you to be my, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't care about your hustle. I want you to make yours. You know what I mean? But I just also want you to be mindful, right? Mm-hmm. That there are other folks out here that ain't got it like that. Right. And that like, you know, capitalism really does depend on us. Oftentimes stepping on the backs and depending on the labor most of someone times. else. Yeah, most times. Most most of the time, always. Mostly <laughs> always. Mostly always. <laughs> you know, it depends on some sort of exploitation. And again, shouts out to neighbor to neighbor. This is why we're championing the just transition model, right? To move away from that extractive, that exploitive way of living to something that is regenerative and that includes everyone that is considerate of our shared humanity and considerate mostly of this planet because like i said we only got one earth and we're burning this thing down to the ground right now you know what i mean quickly quick like (laughs) like like we like we can't do it fast enough right like we don't love this place and you know what? we definitely don't care if our our grandchildren have a place to live by that by our actions but again that kind of goes back into the short-sighted nature of of so many of what we've just been talking about for the last 20 minutes right yeah. and it's really just about the short-sighted way i'm, I'm gonna get minds that's yeah. it regardless I'm, regardless i ain't worried about you i gotta worry about me right Ugh. and i'm i'm me personally i'm done with that too you yeah, know what i mean awful. like i'm looking out for the homies everywhere i go <laughs> Oh, All right, so we're going to breathe. That was a lot. We're going to breathe. We're going to take a breath and then go get some chicharrones. We'll be back. <laughs> Coco. Yo. That shot spotter report came out. Did you see that? I am putting you on I blast. I did not see okay. it. Okay. It's, it just came out. It just came out recently. Okay. And I was just on a call with a mass live reporter about it. Oh. What'd yeah. they say? What'd you say? Oh, I don't know. What's <laughs> 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 Don't spill the beans. Yeah. No, uh, I think uh, I think from the numbers, what it looks like, the vibe that I'm getting from constituents and fellow members is that, like, again, it's further proof that we're relying on this technology to do police work and it's not doing police work. It's just doing nothing. <coughs> I wouldn't say it's doing nothing. <laughs> It was expensive. It was expensive. It was. It was. A, it was. It was. A, it was expensive. It was very it was expensive. Mass expensive. It was mass expensive. It's gonna be mass expensive. And it, that's what I'm saying. When you could have just hired a couple extra officers to work the beat. It's not that easy, apparently. No, maybe we could have funded training. I don't know. This shot spotter section is dead. <laughs> <laughs> we ain't got to talk about shot spotter. I, I'm sure there'll be an update next yep, time when the report comes out. Or when the, when the uh, what did you say? It was Mass Live article? Yeah, when that Mass. Leah, we'll talk about it when the Mass Live article All comes right. out because he's a, cause a reporter, Tristan. Shouts out to Tristan. Oh, nice. He, he's out there like gathering the story. So sweet. Yeah. <laughs> Stay tuned, folks. Stay tuned. All right. So that's been the show. Wait, wait. Wait. We'll have to have a to be continued because we didn't hit on the 
the New England Public Radio thing. Oh, yeah. And we didn't hit on... Um, yeah, we did. I we feel, only missed one thing, so I it's feel, not so bad. Well, we always miss stuff on the show, but I feel <laughs> like I feel like we should bring in a local, experienced expert to maybe like get us hip to the New England public media thing, because you know that's why we're doing this podcast right now is because we wanted to speak to the people and we wanted to share stories, you know, that come from the, and so to hear this story, to hear what's happening at NEPM is just sad. So. Anyways, all right. All so. right, so we'll touch on that some more. Yeah, we'll get a chicken sandwich and talk about this later. Okay, Bye. awesome. It's <laughs> always Bye. food. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for hanging with us on Adventures in Organized Chaos. I'm Terry. <laughs> this is Coco. I'm going to step on all her words. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. We're in this together. Yeah. Solidarity. <laughs> See you next time. <laughs>